What's up? Uh, recording this a little bit early uh, for me, I guess. Wouldn't be early for you all because you're all getting it on Saturday. My Wi-Fi's out, so I thought I'd just do it today instead of uh, spending my time on video games as I would normally do. So, yeah, Audacity doesn't require Wi-Fi. It'll get uploaded on Saturday. Hopefully Wi-Fi will be back. I mean, how am I surviving without Wi-Fi? I don't know either, bro, honestly. Uh, hopefully today, though, we have a fairly interesting podcast. And where's my little show notes? There we go. I I don't know what I'm going to... So I don't know how this is going to be split. Uh, I finished reading The Fifth Vital by Mike Malek. So we're going to speak on that. And then I have a bunch of show notes this week, actually, because I've, I've been trying to work more on, you know, writing down the things that come to my mind that I want to speak on and speak about. So I... Wrote a lot more show notes than I'd normally usually have. Uh, the time I had this many was with the BLM podcast uh, a few weeks ago, which that one, uh, time-wise, I, I spoke pretty well, uh, I would I would say, in the sense of hitting 50 minutes without any sort of wondering what to speak on and what to speak about. And so this book, The Fifth Vital, it might take up a few minutes, but just in case... Uh, we'll start by talking about some of the shallow topics I wrote here. So first off, humor. So this this podcast is called Seriously Funny. And as I said in episode one, I think uh, I was a class clown. I was a funny guy. I uh, In class, I like to make people laugh. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's great. It makes things better, in my opinion. And thinking on myself recently and thinking on myself, uh, when I say recently, I mean past few years, thinking on my past i guess not recently at all but uh, the other side of the podcast is seriously serious uh and being uh as i called myself an intellectual which was funny because i think i'm an idiot but you know i, I read things I, I study things i i like to learn <laughs> still an idiot but but uh, yeah i like to learn and i get some water here my mother's cooking something so if i start coughing in the microphone you know why spices and stuff am i right anyways so yeah yeah i started thinking about life over the past two years and really putting together a lot of the pain that i went through in my life and that i experienced and taking education from it taking knowledge from it taking understanding from it and i knew things beforehand but when i started getting the you know spiritual things mental things just getting into a deeper level of understanding about this life game that we all play uh, uh, that was junior year and senior year of my high school. Yeah, it it is different. Uh, in my freshman year and sophomore year of high school, I was a lot funnier. I think when I'm when I've been looking back on it, I I made more jokes. Most of the things I said were absolutely dumb and utter stupidity. It was uh, it it was really fun. It was really great and. I didn't make people think I didn't I didn't do that every now and then yeah I'm sure but I I was just humorous I was just funny and I want to try that again so for the next few months in my life I'm probably going to be trying my best to learn how to humor again and learn how to be funny again which I'm going to see the balance that it causes in my life in terms of you know, meaningful, quote, meaningful, end quote, conversations, 
and getting information from people and their lives and their pain, but also making them laugh. And maybe I'll figure out some way to combine the two in a much better way than what I'm, I'm able to do now. But that's humor and humor's dope. Like I said, I need to have a podcast on laughing or at least a part of a podcast on laughing at one point. So that'll come up. But, uh, but yeah, I want to, I want to be funnier because I think I used to be a lot funnier. So in general, yeah, I'm going to spend the next few weeks at least with complete stupidity again, just being only dumb or, uh, not majority what's the word I'm looking for, being, uh, man, this, uh, come on, words, come on, come to my head, yeah, no, tip of the tongue effect, it's, it's there, but it's not there, maybe I'll remember it, I'm going to be trying to be a complete idiot, like I, like I used to act, so that's what I'll be doing for a little bit and then I'll start assessing how to combine the two and how the two work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I think I've been peaking a little bit. I'm going to turn down this mic volume a little bit or mic input. How's that sound? That goes a lot lower. Uh, 85. Let's try that. Hopefully we'll be fine there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going up a lot less. Yeah, I think that's going to sound a lot better when I get louder and I laugh in the mic to my own stupid jokes that I'm sure that only 20% of the people ever listening will laugh at. <laughs> Example. So, yeah, working on, that's something I've been thinking about with humor. What else? Uh, also, humor is hard. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's tough. I'm going to have to, I'm probably going to try to learn the joke thing just a little bit or just memorize some more jokes breaking ice breaking silence is gonna be interesting to do for me because usually i can break silence with some deep dumb question usually but it's it ends up deep i'll ask something stupid like what colors the sky and then get into a conversation through that so how do i how do i ask that question now and just be dumb or how do i say something that's just funny so we'll work on that because uh, a lot of my humor is wit and it's a response. It's contextual humor. It's it's building off on what someone said. It's building off on what just happened rather than me knowing here's here's a setup, here's a punchline. We all ha-ha. Uh, I, I spoke on one of my podcast episodes about how hard stand-up comedy is. And yeah, that, yeah I can't, man, that's, that's something else. I don't know if I can do that one. So yeah. I didn't even introduce the podcast today, did I? Uh, hello, Seven Minutesen. This is Seriously Funny, hosted by Mashnal Kabir. I'm not going to edit that in. I think it's fine. I mean, come on, the channel name is Seriously Funny. Speaking of channel name, I, I ran out of space on SoundCloud, and I, I'm kind of unemployed right now, so I can't really pay the SoundCloud monthly fee to get it on there. So I'm not going to be having SoundCloud. It's going to be primary. I think I said this last podcast, didn't I? If I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But yeah, it won't be on SoundCloud for a bit. Um, when I get employed again, I'll, I'll look into getting it on iTunes and Spotify and grow the grow the audience. I'm picking a little more now. Maybe I should... Maybe, what if I just stay away from it? Well, no, nah, I'm not usually. We'll see. Man, microphone stuff. Yeah, fun, 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 fun. Uh, uh, I wrote on... 
second chances, but should we speak on that? We're at eight minutes, and I, yeah, I wanted to get to ten. Mi- oh, freak! I hit my microphone. I hope that n- not everyone died there. Uh, yeah, I'm at eight. I wanted to get to ten before I started speaking on the book, but I think uh, we can just preface. So this book is the fifth vital. Written by Mike Malak and edited by it seems Riley J. Ford, who helped uh, make his. He's a he's he's a comic. He's a funny dude. He's he he's he's a very intel, intelligent man, Mike Malak. But uh, I guess he's not a writer by trade. So Riley J. Ford, who is, uh, and yeah, she's a New York best New York Times bestselling author. Helped him, you know, write and get the imagery the vividry i'm sure probably what happened there um yeah which is which is fine and wonderful it really increases the effect especially with some of the things he spoke on in this book the pathos here is incredible and absolutely amazing so this book is 100 this book is contested for my number one favorite book right next to the happiness advantage by sean Aker, and viscerally speaking just emotionally and not intellectually the happiness advantage was facts about happiness and it taught me probably it taught me about happiness more than any other book it taught me the fundamentals of what i know today about happiness and it, it's a book written by a harvard psychologist it's, it's very factual very study-based and I love that book so much because of the studies, because of what it says, the message, and positive psychology is just amazing, considering that Ford was, or Ford, not cars, and not trucks, Freud was what we had in the past, so people like Sean Aker and psychologists like that, they need more recognition. Anyways, the book was absolutely wonderful, but this book, this book, viscerally, once again, I think I'm, yeah, emotionally instead of intellectually, is my favorite book that I have to this point in my life, ever read. Before I be- I highly, highly recommend that you read this book. And if you don't like reading, if you're a listener, uh, you're listening to this podcast, uh, he has an audiobook coming out soon, so give it, a, give it a month or two, and hopefully it'll be out there. I think he's done recording. I'm sure, yeah, he, he was working on a lot, so I'm, I'm sure the recording is done, and he has to go speak to Audible and all the other services and get that up and running and going. So whenever that comes out, it, if I when I, if I hear about it, I will definitely point it out. This book is absolutely incredible. I will probably right after this I actually go recommend it to some people personally. Uh, yeah, I I absolutely loved it. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna pull some quotes out definitely. Uh, not that many. I'm going to speak on general things, but I, I want you to buy the book. I, <laughs> whether <laughs> I want you to read the book, preferably buy the book. If you are in a financial standing to purchase this book, please purchase the book. He, he, you, you will get a ton of value from it, and he, he, he deserves he deserves the compensation for w- what he shared, the vulnerability he gave to the world, and how he articulated everything because it a lot of things in the book i read and while i quote knew it end quote when someone articulates something you understand something about yourself or your past or something you felt 
when it gets into feelings and stuff, and the mind is hard, to, language gets a little harder. When it gets to the soul, language gets a little harder. When it comes to the soul, language is gone. So I exited the chat. But yeah, he was able to, the way he wrote things, it was able to help me understand a lot of things in my life. And I was able, I'm, in general, a lot of his problems are drug related. I, I never have been, never will be, and am not at the moment a drug addict. Uh, I've, I've never done any drugs. Caffeine is probably the worst thing I've done. Maybe Tylenol, antibiotics. I don't know, man. You you know uh, nothing nothing hard. I never got into a serious injury in which I took morphine, in which I took oxycotton, which he did. Uh, we'll get into it. But yeah, I want you to buy the book, so I'll pull out some quotes. But I'm gonna try to keep uh, so a lot of the stories nebulous. I'm not gonna share a lot of the story stories stories uh, and the things he felt felt like what he wrote exactly. I I would like you to experience that if you decide to purchase this book in the video or audio format, not video, uh, visual or audio format. Um, yeah, I, I prefer handbooks i prefer having can we hear that yeah we can uh i prefer having copies of books instead of listening to them or having ebooks so uh yeah i I have this uh most people are audiobook fans so even if it's just getting a free trial of audible whenever the audiobook comes out i will say once more please read this book uh so much value and I think I'll be speaking on it probably more next podcast, it seems. Um, But empathy, that's definitely one of the reasons that I want to spread this book and share it to other people. And yeah. So yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the general ideas of the book. So Mike Malak is a, uh, he's now a 35, I think he's 35. I don't know when his birthday is. Yeah, 35 in living in LA now. He's very successful, the co-host of Impulsive. He's uh he he has a fair amount of businesses, runs the Night Shift YouTube channel which does pretty well. He yeah, he's he's a dope dude in general. He's very intelligent. In his book he speaks about his life and his past and the trauma that was filled with it. He suffers from mostly it was anxiety over the years, but due to just trauma and the things he went through, depression. So the mental illness was um, part of what he went through. And still, anxiety is still a problem in his life today, which he is very open about. And he hopes that one day he can get it fixed, calm his head down, calm his thoughts down. Uh, But other than that, the other thing that was um, one of his bigger traumas, one of the more one of the most impactful things next to the mental illness was another illness uh, by the name of addiction. And I think I called this one a demon in my post on the blog, definitely. I don't know if I said it last time on the podcast, but yeah, addiction. He was addicted to opioids, methadone, and chemicals that I couldn't pronounce the name of in this book. He started off weed, and he started off dealing weed. Actually, he was he was a businessman from the beginning, bro. He 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 was he was hustling, selling. It was what a guy, man. Uh, reading this book, you see the business in his head, and you see how young he started business. Cherry was the drug business, but but at like fifteen years old, he started selling weed, and he went up the chain of dealing so well. I mean, 
it's so bad to say this, but the way that he did business, the amount of potential and what you could see in his, his carrying out of his dealing business, (laughs) my face can't be seen right now. God, um, (laughs) good, good, complimenting business off freaking drug dealer. Goodness God. Uh, but yeah, the way he could climb the ladder of the drug dealing business, getting suppliers, knowing them, growing the, the fact that he's a successful business guy now and he, he, he knew how to business, he knew how to do connections and stuff. It's not surprising anymore. It's not like he, he, he wasn't some guy that, you know, he just learned business and got really good at this. No, he has definitely a hundred percent a very great natural talent at speaking to people at making points at getting things across and he in in his dealing of drugs <laughs> yeah goodness god you know usually when i make drug dealing jokes they're, they're jokes when i talk about drugs is jokes they're jokes and this is not gonna be jokes but yeah he um at first it was weed he did well saying to kids in his high school and then a new thing came out, Oxycontin and Purdue Pharma. They marketed this drug, the wonder pill, the miracle drug. This thing, no side effects, just take it. The pain goes away. There's a time seal. It is great, wonderful for, you know, long-term problem pay or long-term pain patients, i.e. cancer and such, or terminally ill patients. There we go. And, and this... This Mr. Mike, uh, after many injuries and many different, you know, this man, he should be dead. I I don't know how he's alive. If you read this book, you'll see. But the injuries this man went through, I mean, his foot came off at one point, man. That, And he's not, he can walk today. So I, how, how does, why, how, this man is a walking miracle. I think that's what Logan Paul called, I agree. Very much so, after reading this book, this man is 100,000% a walking miracle. Anyways, in uh, in reading the book, the first thing I, I want to say is the, the Purdue Pharma, and he's, he shows drugs, and obviously he's, he's educated in this drug epidemic, this opioid epidemic. This man, he's a white kid. He grew up in a middle-class family who did pretty well, upper middle class, it seemed, and yeah, his, his parents could pay for stuff. He had two sisters. He had mother and father. Uh, nothing bad. They got divorced at some point, and that caused some problems and might have been one of the reasons he started smoking and experimenting with uh, drugs and such but you know in general he was he was fine uh, in life so yeah being addicted to drugs and he spoke and he made that point you know so many just normal people the star quarterbacks the the cheerleaders they they all got addicted to drugs many of them lost their life and he showed death rates in the book you know as you go on through the chapters it says uh is there one here 17 can i find a little there we go yeah, so chapter 16, 2007, U.S. opioid deaths, 18,516. And you see these as you read the book uh, and as you go through the chapters and as he cha- goes through the years, you see the opioid deaths rise and rise and rise and rise. It's bad. So I say this, Purdue Pharma, F you, you suck. Medicine and y- drug companies, you're You're terrible. You're horrible. You're the reason that we probably don't have a cure to cancer today. Screw you.
you suck. And honestly, I'm going to be saying that about a lot of things in this book because some of the things he described, it was sad. And I, and to one extent, I'm joking. I'm a man of love. I love everyone and everything. So when I say F you to this person, there's no hate. Uh, it's just, uh, to the people listening, please be better than that. Uh, I.e., uh, so he went into rehab after uh, God, how many years? Uh, over a decade of drug abuse. Uh, yeah, at one point, the methadone clinic. So, first of all, let me see if I... I don't think I have it bookmarked in here. I'm going to try my best to find it. Let's give... Let's see. So, it gets to... Uh, this man went around cities to deal drugs and everything. Honestly, he said it himself, too. This, this book really is not even a book. It's a movie script. It's a... Uh, yeah, it's a movie script, and he's he said he's working on making a movie, and it will be such an incredible movie. I hope it comes out soon, bro. It's going to be insane when it does. I say when, because it better effing come out, bro. Yeah, 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 so some methadone. Let's see. All right, uh, quote, After my conviction, I began to hear stories about a clinic that had opened... Uh, what did he say here? Oh, Oh, look at that. I had it accidentally bookmarked. About a clinic that had opened in a neighboring town, people were apparently going there and being prescribed a medication that was reducing the pain of opioid withdrawal. This medication, a legal drug, helps people remain calm of... Helps remain people remain clean of illegal opioids. Over time, I met hundreds of people rejoicing in their success with this newfound substance. Little did any of us know that it was just the beginning of a new threat that lurked in pain sight. So where did I write it? Um... So uh, one thing I wrote was, first of all, methadone clinics, you're trying to cheat the universe. You're trying to cheat the universe. One of the stipulations of growth, one of the stipulations of evolution, the the goal of this clinic, wholesomely, you know, is to get people off opioids, to get them off their addictions, to ease them off their addictions. You're giving someone something, another substance, to, quote, ease them off their addictions, end quote. You're trying to make it less painful. You're trying to remove the pain. In life, in the universe, the way it works, you have to sacrifice something in order to get something. And for change, to grow, to evolve, you need to sacrifice pain. You have to go through pain. And depending on what you want, the more pain you're... Depending on how hard or how much you want to change, the more pain you're going to go through. They're trying to cheat the universe, and it did not go well. Uh, Yeah, I, I wrote that, trying to cheat the universe universe is quote pain for change end quote probably wouldn't bode well and like mike said uh ominously at the end of that uh, little thing uh little did any of us know it was just the beginning of a new threat that lurked in plain sight yeah uh (laughs) don't don't try to play the universe you're not gonna win anyways uh what else did he say so he he speaks on uh yeah, he speaks on this methadone clinic, and let's see, at first I didn't believe, quote, at first I didn't believe it. Was there really a place that dispensed a powerful opioid to drug addicts to keep them from getting sick? Could we really just stop into a clinic, get the drug legally, and be on our way? I didn't understand how it was possible. I decided to check it out for myself. Sure enough, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it seemed like a brilliant idea. I would go to the clinic every day, receive a dose of liquid methadone, and start a life free of drugs and alcohol. It seemed easy enough. But what I didn't realize was that in order to stop using drugs and alcohol, I had to truly want to stop getting high, end quote. That's important. Uh, If you want change in your life, you can't just 
half crap it. You you have to truly, with every atom in your body, want to change. Life will force you to change to points uh, due to circumstances. But if you personally want to change, the only change that life was going to bring on Mike with his... Uh, that the universe was going to bring on Mike with his addiction to drugs was death. That, that was that was it. And to get off that path and that change, which he very much so did not want, as he spoke on later in the book, he he had to he had to choose it. He really wanted to need to want to not get high as he just said and that's important for a lot of things in life if you really want to change yourself you have to truly want it you have to put that energy out and you have to very very much pay that price a go through the pain it hurts speaking of going through the pain it hurts this is what he described opioid withdrawal as quote it seemed to me that the people on the outside never quite understood what it felt like to quote hurt end quote I tried to explain it like this. Quote, imagine the worst case of the flu you've ever had. Picture that tormenting body aches, tormenting body aches, excruciating cramps, relentless sweats, terrorizing night tremors, and uncontrollable shaking. Your eyes gush flu, your nose gushes fluid, your eyes sting and burn, your skin crawls with the sensation of a thousand insects, you are unable to eat or hold down liquids without retching uncontrollably, you have explosive diarrhea that won't quit, you can't even imagine getting a minute of sleep, now more healing times 10, end quote. I could not, I read that and I was uh, speechless. I can't imagine, that sounds so bad and abysmal that's so bad i feel like i'm underplaying it uh i'm not it really does leave me speechless uh as someone who really thinks about empathy a lot trying to even just trying to put myself in shoes even close to that i i know that i will never ever understand and to be honest god bless i i hope anyone who doesn't understand now never will and i hope that uh, the people who have uh, are doing better now and don't have to go through that again. Hopefully you got off. If you're still worrying about that and you fear that, uh, uh, you know, you got to want it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're a drug addict, I implore you to take the steps to fix your life. And again, read this book. Uh, it'll help you way more than anything I could say. Uh, <laughs> it does. This man is someone who did it and got better. So his words count. Uh ton more than mine does in the uh, what, do you, what would you call it? category of drug addiction and not to do it he has a ton more ethos than I do uh, but yeah so I read him talk about this methadone clinic and I, I wrote why does this sound so dumb did they do it to decrease OD rates or or needle problems because you know needles could cause STDs or so many other things but uh, I, you're just giving people free drugs. Uh, he says, quote, the methadone acted as a crutch for a while. Eventually it became just another addiction, end quote. So I, I, I just didn't understand that. Why did they do that? Why did, why did that open? I'm sure there's reasons. I was, I mean, I was about to just write, this is stupid, but yeah, I don't know. And I'm uneducated, uh, uneducated on the topic or the reason of opening them. So 
that's really strange. And to be honest, one thing I wrote is intention and impact. This is one of the dates. What matters more, impact or attention? I think, objectively speaking, impact comes above intention. If you are just looking at the what is happening, it is what happens that matters more than what someone thought. Say some rich dude wants to donate to a poor guy for clout. Uh, I, I I don't care. Do it. Uh, impact wise, you donated. You gave money to charity. You 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 gave. You help someone or multiple people. That's an impact. That's a very positive impact. Shout out. Maybe you deserve clout. I don't know. But intention, uh, you know, if you're looking at something else, if you're looking at something that's a little less objective, i.e. someone's character, you're trying to know them, you're trying to befriend them maybe, get a relationship with them, then intention matters. I think impact still might matter more. Just to me as an objective and logical person, impact is really, really important. Intention only... Intention matters. It really depends on what you're looking at, definitely, as I just stated. So, it, yeah, it's um, if you're looking at someone's character, maybe intention's more important. But if you're just looking at what's happening, and which uh, I think is a little bit more of a priority than someone's character in the in most situations and moments. Uh, what did they do? <laughs> How did it? What was the impact? I guess some things if uh, that are more innocuous, uh, you can, you can, the intention can mean more in the sense of their character, but I don't know, that's a complicated topic. <laughs> we'll save it for another episode. So yeah, but yeah, this clinic, it was uh, really weird to me. Uh, yeah, he said, quote, the only difference between the medication offered at the clinic and the heroin purchased on the streets was that it was prescribed by a doctor and paid for some by insurance carriers. The methadone clinic eventually became a state-authorized heroin dealer, end quote. That was so funny, bro. I, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a thing, but yeah, uh, it, it was, uh, it was bad. Yeah, and uh, Mike was uh, quite the hardcore drug addict, too. I mean, this man was sniffing dreams up his nose, as Black Bear used to say. It was it was a lot of cocaine, a lot of heroin. Not a good time. Um, he talks about a lot of his uh, the things he did in his life. And, uh, you know, most importantly, he talks about his lessons, right? And that's one of the most valuable parts of the book. But also, again, understanding the point of view and understanding some of the worst situations you can go through in life is important in empathy. Uh, well, yeah, I guess at the end, he he speaks on it more, so I'll save it when I get to that bookmark. There's a second thing I bookmarked, which was... Um, Uh, he, he got into an injury. Uh, this is the foot one that I mentioned earlier. His foot came off. And when he went to the hospital, he says, quote, quote, he deserves it, end quote. I could see them thinking, end quote. So the way he was treated by the doctors in the sense of their energy towards him and their feelings and emotion toward him and a little bit of the treatment, uh, he, he felt like he wasn't seen as a human being by these doctors who, you know, they take an oath to protect the health of human beings. And, 
it, he, he then writes, quote, even though I understand the town's anger, I couldn't understand why I was being treated so inhumanely, so cruelly. I was a human being after all, end quote. And then he writes, quote, it was only years later after fully realizing the error of my ways that I gained the perspective to understand the nuances and scope of the situation, end quote. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a dealer. Uh, so many people, these doctors, a lot of their patients could have been from him. Uh, and you know, he, he's empathizing with the doctors there. So I mean, great on him, but I wrote comma or not comma hyphen still, still though, dot, 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 uh, maybe I, maybe it's because I understand and maybe it's because I know him now that I, I, this, I'm, I'm distasteful at how the doctors treated him, but I also think it's, um, like I said, I wasn't a drug addict and I, but I was a horrible person. I, I was a disgusting person in my life. Uh, I was part of the scum of the earth. Uh, I, I was not a nice guy. Uh, Mike, although he did bad things, and he and he did things he's not proud of, as we all do. As same with me. He he was a good guy. Uh, even as a dealer, one of his dealer codes personally was to never be the dealer that gave someone their first drug so he would only deal to people who already were on something whether it was weed whether it was opioids cocaine crack crack heroin whatever he wouldn't give it to someone who was sober or clean that was against him so you know he was he was a good guy and if you read the book you, you see he all the way through he he definitely was and at times i guess when i'm guessing when he was there he was weird and strange for him but a lot of times he he wrote and writes you know he sat down not even just reflecting but at the moment he said he sat down and reflected often one even when he was at those points in his life after every injury he would ask himself you know how did i get here and all those things and uh you know that shows kindness that shows thought in what you're doing and how you're affecting the universe um so you know, like I said, I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that thought in how I was affecting the universe, how I was affecting my fellow human beings. And so maybe when I read that the doctors treat them like crap, I just, I, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm biased in, in the sense that I don't think that should happen. I don't think that should transpire. People make mistakes. People do what they do. And as someone who's been one of the worst uh, that I know of, personally know of, I'm, I, you know, I'm not Hitler, I didn't murder anyone, but, uh, treat everyone well, it's just, I wasn't treated very well by many people, and, uh, I finally was by one person at a pivotal moment in my life, and, uh, that person is the reason I, that person is probably the biggest reason I am who I am now. So, you know, shout out to them. That's my sister. Shout out. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I would implore you to treat people well and and try not to judge people. This is this is getting more into empathy. So, next podcast, and I'm, I'm stuttering on my words here. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, he spoke here, by the way. I wrote this uh, just a quick quote he talked about his family a lot and his family is a big part of the story and he and he said quote and he said he was you know pushing them farther and farther and at the end of this chapter here at the end of chapter 18 quote little did i know how close i was to losing them forever and i wrote yeah you keep pushing the bar 
uh, I've had people that were patient with me and I kept pushing it farther and farther to see how, how bad I could get, uh, how many, how many lines I could cross. And, and yeah, uh, even the ones that they love you, people will lose their patience. People have their limits. And and there is definitely a line that at one point you will cross and they're not going to have it anymore. They'll be gone. I know because I've crossed that line many, 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 many times in my life. It's not a fun line to cross. It's not a, it's not, it's not a situation you want to be in, in general. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know how uh, loud my voice will be since I'm looking down to read these excerpts and looking down at the book. But yeah. Anyways, I also uh, highlighted or bookmarked this part. A highlight. Why well, I, I use a pen, I don't use a highlighter. But so many marks and notes in this book, so relatable uh, for me. Just considering some of the things I've gone through, uh, relatable in the sense of what he was feeling and what he thought and the things he thinks and did think. So I can relate to those, not the actions that he did. But uh, one thing uh, he was, uh, one thing he writes about in chapter twenty nine is feeling really bad at one point, and he speaks to his sister, who uh, he says he's he's uh, feeling quite down, and his sister says uh, he said he writes quote Gabby assured me that everyone struggled and that it was all part of the human experience. She let me know that I wasn't alone and that things would not always be a straight shot toward happiness. There were still going to be dark days, even with all the positive changes occurring in my life. I just had to keep persevering end quote, and so. Uh, this is, you know, this is one of the normal things you'd hear. This is very, uh, um, I don't want to say this because it's going to uh, damper my point or hamper my point, but it's 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 one of the, what people would consider, quote, cliche, and quote things to say. Uh, you know, this is broad, broad advice. And it's true. It's true advice. Uh, it honestly is. And so I write, this, these are solid words. They honestly are. The, the Objectively speaking, the words are solid, and it's true, and it's right, and it's good advice. And we hear it so much, and I hear people complain about it so much. Uh, not complain, but I, I hear people who are depressed specifically, which is the circle uh, that I'm more aware of, and mental illness is the circle that I'm more aware of. They say, you know, hearing things like, it's going to, it'll be better, or it'll get better, that that crap can trigger people. It really can. They will hear that out. They will listen to that and they will say, no, F you. Uh, it won't. And for some people, i.e. Mike, for how many years he was addicted, after so many years, at one point, do you hear that and you think, shut the F up, bro. Nah, it, it hasn't gotten better in 72 years. It's not getting better on the 73rd. So, yeah, these uh that advice that she gave him so it helped him a lot it really it helped him a lot he he says uh right after but i think what really makes or breaks those words the one specifically written in this book here not not exactly the it'll get better i think the it'll get better those words are that sentence is incorrect uh, I think the correct sentence to tell someone who's ever suffering is not it will get better uh, rather it can get better See, it's a choice. You have to put the work in. You have to truly want it to get better, like I stated earlier. Otherwise, you're uh, you're out of luck. It probably won't get better. Sorry, that's life. And uh, 
love it or hate it, I don't know. I, I can't speak on it. I made the decision to change. Mike made the decision to change. I know so many people who made the decision to change. I implore everyone else to make that decision to change and to really want it. It's hard. It really is. I know it. But, you know, it's an important decision. And, yeah, it can get better. Anyways, going back. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's how she said it. I'm sure she, she genuinely loves her brother 100,000%. And when she said it, I'm sure it came from a place of utter genuinity, of utter love, unconditional love, utter acceptance, understanding. And that energy, I'm sure, came through. And I think if you're going to tell someone this stuff, something, quote, cliche, end quote, as we call it, a lot of cliches are true. But if you're going to tell them something cliche, What's your energy behind it? If you're going to say something cliche and you don't believe in it, if it's not coming from a place of love, of encouragement, of support, genuine for them, not just as a human being, but for them as a person, for who they are, don't say it. Don't effing open your mouth. <laughs> no, you're going to make it worse. It's, to be honest, like I, if it was innocuous, I would say whatever. Maybe it'll just do something, but it, it's, it, it's going to be harmful. If you don't care, don't care. Don't, don't hurt someone more than someone who's. Don't hurt someone who's hurting more. Don't be the cause of their pain. No. And yeah, speaking of, don't be the cause of their pain. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel a little bit. Yo, so, so Mike, you know, he puts, he makes one of the hardest decisions of his life, and that's to go to detox. Actually, I guess the decision was easy. You can listen to the story of why he went to detox and rehab finally in the end. But um, uh, when he went to detox and rehab, when he went to rehab, he went through his entire thing. uh, The however one month, I think, of staying at the center. The the president, I guess, the top, the top head, the big dog of the rehab center pulled him in on the day that he was going to be released to his family to finally be let back out into the world and this man Mike really wanted to change and he was a jokester so he made jokes at rehab he made he made people laugh and that made counselors think he wasn't serious about changing and he really was he was just a funny guy uh, which I I support as I said at the top of the podcast you know humor dope love it it's fun and for his entire life he was a class clown he writes so you know even now he's hilarious absolutely hilarious um but yeah so the the top dog of this rehab center brings him into his office or in her office and and she says to him we've seen people like you you're gonna be back here real soon to that woman f you you suck why why do you how do you why do you exist (laughs) come on really how do you how can you say that how can you your job your occupation the thing you dedicated your life to is such a good great amazing thing i the impact of the occupation and then you say to someone i don't care uh, you say to someone that they can't you plant doubt in their head and it did plant doubt in his head he writes mike writes why do you do that why what do you what do you get out of that you you're not going to help anyone that way i you wasted your time and you effed someone's chances up more. You, not only did you do something innocuous, you you 
that's a lose-lose situation. You wasted your time. You spread negativity. That's going to come back to you. Genius karma. And then you spread, and that negativity is going to affect someone else. Woman, why? Uh, (laughs) Bruh. Some things, again, I'm a logical guy. When the things that get to me are the things I don't understand. I don't understand that. Why? Why? Why would you do that? I don't un- like. Did you have a personal vendetta against Mike? What emotion spurred you to do something so dumb? Even logically, I I can't understand what emotion, other than just being a crappy human being in general, would make you do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna leave it there. Read the book, <laughs> but. F you, rehab center woman. All right, your impact sucked. Your intention sucked. You sucked. I hope you're better now. But at that time, you sucked. Screw you. Yeah, just like Purdue Pharma. You guys belong in the same effing bucket. Uh, okay. I got one more bookmark here, and we're past the forty minutes, so I'm gonna. Oh, wait. one more bookmark, and then another thing, I guess. So what's uh? Oh yeah, he he writes here, and this is going to be more important. I'm probably going to pull from this book a lot more again next week with the empathy episode. But he says, quote, My addiction and surrounding trauma have taught me endless valuable lessons about empathy for others. Perseverance through hardship and patience in all things. It taught me that many things that feel good in the moment can have damaging effects far beyond, far beyond the moment. It reminded me how important family is and that if you have one, you should never take it for granted. I also learned that in order to become a truly healthy... Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, some bullet points that... If you want him, read it. Read the book. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you all his lessons. I'm just going to give you some things he said and the things I already knew. Yeah, as he said in there, uh, the pain in his life, it gave him wisdom. Pain is... Uh, and the pain, you know, got, gave him so much lessons and so much understanding and, you know... To state again, as I stated earlier, a stipulation for growth, a stipulation for wisdom, a stipulation for change, a stipulation for discipline in this world is is pain. And he went through a f ton of it. And if you want to know about it, uh, purchase the book. <laughs> man, I uh, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get Mike to somehow listen to this and just uh, laugh. I don't know, man. I'm promoting this book so much. It crap. I should just. Go gamble my gamble the dice and go send him a DM or something and say, Hey, please listen to this podcast, my G. Maybe get me some clout. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the last thing he writes is, or that I want to point out is in his afterthoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm going to summarize this, but he, he kind of gives letters to different people that may be reading the book. The, the first one he offers is, Quote, to those who have never known the struggles of addiction or mental illness, end quote. And he says, quote, you are truly blessed, end quote. And he says he doesn't want you to go through it, but please have sympathy and empathy for those who do. Uh, and I, again, get the book if you want to read the entire thing. I, I would love to quote it because of how well articulated, how amazing, how great everything he says was. But uh, I want you to purchase the book. <laughs> Uh, next he writes quote to the families friends and caregivers of those who are struggling Uh, 
And he writes, you are everything, you are a reason we live, end quote. And I wrote for some. I, when it comes to biological family, sometimes they are the reason that you are in a bad place. Uh, I don't consider those people family, and I don't think other people should either. But uh, enough said on that situation. I will I'll, I'll maybe one day speak on that by itself. But yeah, he writes to them and he says, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine your pain. And honestly, I never thought of that perspective. I never thought about the perspective of the caregiver of those people. Uh, even me, when I've assisted people in growth and uh, getting better within themselves and their happiness and such and such, uh, I'm, I'm a very, emo- I'm, emo- I, I'm an emotionally detached person. So I don't, I, I don't, and I'm very, <clears throat> the cooking spices are getting to me that or I'm just crying. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> emotionally detached. I'm crying. <laughs> what? I'm God. What a paradox. Okay, and what a man. I, I sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm able to very well detach myself from the person I'm assisting, so that their pain, their struggle, their burdens doesn't become mine. Because I think that's why would I'm not trying to take the burden off someone else. I'm trying to make it so that they can drop it off, maybe sell it to get some you know, knowledge or something. I don't know, but uh, I don't want to take it. It just taking it away from someone doesn't negate problems in life. It just transfers the problems. That's stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I, I, the caregivers that go through this and people that are better than me at emotions and empathy and such. Uh, yeah, God, I can't imagine how it feels to try to be the helper of one of these people, and I, I should probably go text the people who assisted me. The one person who assisted me, the other one, uh, one of the other ones is passed away, and he's this, you know, catalyst of my change. But another podcast. So, yeah, it's uh, I could I can't imagine that that was yeah. And, and oh, actually, one thing he does right, and I'll quote this quote: "We understand that this commitment will cost you a piece of your life, and it will be a cost we unfortunately can never pay back." End quote. And that really hit me. I thought of Tentacion, I thought of Juice World. I thought of, thought of Mac Miller. Uh, Mac Miller specifically helped Mike. Actually, he writes: "These people, these artists, they they helped a lot of people." And I that statement it really made me wonder. How much of a piece of themselves did they give in order to be that light for millions of kids, people, humans? God, it, it, yeah, that that was profounding to me. And I even thinking about it now, my brain isn't able to wrap around that question correctly. It's, I, I don't know, speechless. Food for thought, I suppose, but yeah, also, you know, it does, it costs a piece of you. A lot of things cost a piece of you. Giving a piece of yourself to someone and let, if they betray you, like Mike said he did to his family multiple times, uh, it it rips that piece out of you. And getting it back is, I, I don't know if I should say impo- impossible, it's probably implausible. It, it leaves permanent damage very often. But yeah, uh, the next note he writes is, uh, quote, and most importantly, to those of you who have found yourselves caught up in the endless struggle of addiction, mental illness, pain, chaos, and despair, end quote, uh, which is, you know, his his most important audience in to him, as he wrote, most importantly, because uh, he wants to help people stop being addicted. He wants to, he wants to help people grow and help make one kid put down the heroin that day 
put down the the blade they would they would have used to cut themselves that day put down whatever they were going to do uh to inflict damage upon themselves and the ones around them that's what mike wanted with this book and i am 100% sure he has achieved it and i mean the last thing he writes in this book and it's a recurring theme in this book so i'm going to uh, i'm going to quote it and he says quote and to anyone who is over their head who is in over their head and feels as if they will never swim to the surface again i offer these words from experience and within and with absolute certainty take a breath you will get through this end quote and yeah i uh, he uh, that's the final thing and then there's acknowledgments and you know letters that people wrote him which are beautiful and if you want to read that uh read the book and if you want to read everything else which you should a hundred thousand percent want to read the book or just listen to it whenever that comes out maybe it is out i don't know i don't think so but if it is listen to it uh, if you're a reader read it yeah please <laughs> uh one of the reasons why is due to is due to that if you haven't been through this which god bless you haven't it'll help you understand a little better the people who have and what they have gone through and if you're an emotional person it'll be hard to read very 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 hard to read it it's 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 abysmal, it's a boring, it's terrifying, it's egregious, what so many people go through. And if you don't go through it, uh, you don't know, and God bless that you don't, we don't want you to know. But if you read it, if you hear it, and you don't experience it for yourself, that empathy that you will have, maybe you won't ever, Siri just turned on, thank you Siri for, I, I but yeah, you will, Maybe you'll never be able to say you understand. Like I said many times in this book, I, I can't understand so many so many of the people and so many of the perspectives here. And, and I probably never will, but um, you'll get closer to it and you'll be able to speak to people better because unfortunately the numbers are going higher and higher. Whether it be addiction, whether it be mental illness, it's not getting better. So you'll come across more people that may have the problem instead of turning them away, instead of running away from them, instead of treating them like they're not human beings anymore, you'll be able to speak to them and understand that they are. And you'll maybe won't be able to help them. You have no duty to. I'm not going to tell you to. But you'll be able to get it just just a tad more. And then uh, to the people who have gone through it, if you haven't found lessons yet, if you haven't, thought about it an extraordinary amount in a positive way this book will help you understand things it will give you lessons it will teach you so much about yourself and the the value in your pain that you've suffered for however long it's been it it'll be it'll be great for you and if you're a caregiver of course if you are someone who is actively helping someone oh, this book is probably the most uh, valuable to you because the empathy that you'll find is incredible the understanding you'll find is incredible the things that you can do uh you'll you'll figure out things that you could do better than what 
some people did for Mike and you know there's always a way to be better and his family did incredible for what they did do and uh, again always a way to be better so you can learn from them and grow on their on their processes and things they did and yeah it it'll it's extraordinarily valuable to anyone who reads it though and valuable to humanity the more people that reads it uh, you know like i said you, if you haven't gone through it just having more empathy and more understanding in this world which i think we lack uh, maybe i'll speak on it more next podcast um man i use that word so much next podcast is going to be important isn't it uh having more empathy is is important in the world uh, i feel like i don't see it enough as someone who can't do the empathy or i struggle doing the empathy thing i try as hard as i can but I want to see more empathy in, in today's world, definitely. Anyways, I'm going to leave it off there because that will build very well in the in the next week's podcast. I will say once again, please, 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 please read this book. Listen to the book. I don't know. Torrent the book. I don't know. Read. Get your hands on the information that is in this book uh, or the words, Mike's, Mike's words from this book. Uh, raw and written by him and edited by Riley J. Ford. It, it will help you very, very, very much so, and the people around you, either now or in the future. So yeah, with that, uh, <laughs> I can't, I started this episode off with humor, and I guess I didn't have much humor in there other than the F you Purdue Farm and F you to the woman in the top of the friggin' rehab center. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I guess empathy isn't going to be a funny, funny topic. I'm going to try, I'll, I'll try, we'll see what we can do about the empathy and trying to make that funny. Uh, at some one point, I don't want to offend people, but to yeah, yeah man, internet's hard. <laughs> Fifty-seven minutes though, I did end up going longer. I guess I didn't need the humor preface uh, or the humor beginning, but yeah, we did it, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so I'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to this all the way through. If you did, uh, I love you all. I once again hope that you never have and never will go through this. If you have gone through it i pray that you will change and i wish you well if you're going through that change now and if you are going through it and you don't want to change you don't plan to change you are afraid of the change i.e the fear that mike felt from those withdrawals that i described earlier which is valid and understandable completely uh not great for you but i get it uh, as much as i can get it i mean the pain avoidance the, the crap you described i don't even want to imagine what what that must feel like but yeah uh uh, I wish you all well in life, regardless. I almost hit an hour. I'm not going to hit it today when they will get there naturally instead of me just extending it out. So I'm going to stop it here at 5830. Thank you.